fear is just fear itself. And, and fear can be crippling and it can be debilitating. But there's a side of fear that is really, really positive. And we're going to get to that here in a bit. Because what Luke does is share some of the words of Jesus. And he shares the only thing we have to fear is, and we're going to get that, to that here in just a bit. Before we get there, uh, we, I want to walk back just a little bit where we've been the last few weeks. Because as, as I've talked to the church here about, is preaching through a gospel or preaching through a book is, is a really good exercise for a lot of different reasons. And one of which is there's things that come up that I wouldn't choose to preach on if I just said, hmm, what am I going to preach on this Sunday? And spending three weeks, because Luke spends a whole lot of time on the, the problems and the issues of what happens when we let our, our faith stagnate or religious stagnation that we've talked about. And the religious leaders had this down. And they, this is exactly who they, they were and how they operated. And so Luke spends some time reflecting on what Jesus said when Jesus did a miracle. And the religious leaders are standing there and said, wow, that's pretty amazing. It is by Satan that you do this. And so Jesus Take some time to say to the people, these religious leaders that you follow, they are not spiritual. And I'm going to tell you why. And he, he spends the last part of chapter 11 talking about they are full of hypocrisy. They, they do one thing, they act another way, and then they bind whatever their teachings are on other people in a, in a way that's, that's, that's they're not willing to, to carry themselves. They neglect internal matters. They clean the outside of the cup, as the analogy he uses, make everything look beautiful on the outside, but the inside is, is rotten. And so they're, they're hard on others, but have not done the self-reflection to realize where they're at with God spiritually. And they love praise from people more than praise from God, and they are, are glad to put burdens on others that they themselves are not willing to carry. You need to do this, you need to do one more ministry, one more thing, one more all of this sort of thing, and they're not about to do these things that they're piling on other people. And you can imagine the people here, and what happens is, starting in chapter 12, look in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. So this message is getting across to people. People are listening because there's thousands are coming to hear what Jesus has to say here. And so the first thing he says, and we'll get to this here in just a second, and, and remember, he's just speaking to his disciples. He starts to speak to the crowd here in a while. But he speaks just to his disciples, and he starts by saying this. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. So he starts out with a definition here. He says hypocrisy. That, that is what you've got with the religious leaders. Is there, this, is, this is bad yeast. And yeast is something we put in dough that makes it do what? Makes it rise and spread. And so hypocrisy is one of these things. And here's the definition. is to create a public impression that is at odds with one's real purposes or motivations. It's an old term that comes from, from plays, meaning play acting. And that I act a certain way that is different than what is real. And so Jesus, you can imagine how this goes over as he's speaking to his disciples as this crowd is gathering around, he says, okay, I want you to listen to me. You need to understand this. This is very, very important. No, this is a time where you really need to listen to me. 
is be very careful what the religious leaders are all about because that spreads. Okay? That spreads. And it goes all over the place. Because if we care about what other people say more than what God says, then all, it, all we do is we spread this, this same type of hypocrisy that, that the religious leaders are involved with. And the reality is always going to come out. Okay? Look at... Um, Turn to First Thessalonians or First Timothy here. First Timothy, chapter five. First Timothy, chapter five, and I'll read something here in just a minute. But the point here that Jesus is really getting across is that everything is going to come out sooner or later. Uh, look at um, verse twenty-four. It says in verse chapter five, verse twenty-four, the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot be remain hidden forever. In other words, whatever is hidden on the inside of us is eventually going to come out in this life and in the next life because we just can't hide the stuff that's really going on inside of us. Our internal self is vitally important spiritually on what's really there. And as I reflected on that this week, something I thought about is putting myself in the people of Jesus' day. Walking through life, listening to the religious leaders. And then Jesus saying, the people you don't want to be is that. You want to be totally different because they are not real. And I can't help but the people of Jesus' day wrestling with this, thinking, boy, wait a minute here. So the people that I think are the religious leaders don't demonstrate spiritual fruit. They have power, but they don't demonstrate that spiritual fruit. And that's a, that's a huge problem. I don't want to be like that. And I wonder how many people that I think are spiritual or not, and maybe people that I've always neglected and always walked by is not assuming that they were spiritual in God's kingdom at all whatsoever, or maybe some of the most spiritual people that I've ever encountered. I just didn't know it because my definition was so messed up. My definition has been on what do people look like from the outside. And it makes me think, for us is I wonder if I get to heaven. I'm just going to throw this out as a thought there, and it's something I ponder and something I consider, is I think all of us probably are going to be surprised on some level on who's in heaven and who's not. I don't know, if, I don't, I don't know how all that works when we get there, but I wonder if there's people that, that I have viewed in this life as very spiritual that will not be there because there's darkness inside of them that, that God knows, and it came out and I didn't see it or whatever. Or other people that I missed that were... They were very spiritual. They just didn't fit the definition of what I understood. You see the point here? Is Jesus is really stirring the pot with the people saying, God's definition of spiritual is different than what you have been taught to believe. It's not about power. It's not about titles. It's not about looking polished and wonderful on the outside. It's about what the fruit that comes out of the inside. That's what God is excited about. And that's what God cares about. So be very, very careful that you don't be part of the spreading of this hypocrisy that happens within the religious leaders. And he continues on here. In, um, uh, go back to, um, to Luke chapter, chapter 12. He continues on, chapter 12, verse 4. He says, I tell you, friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear whom? Fear him who after... Your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are, you, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Okay, so Jesus continues on here. 
And he says, okay, what, what will you fear? Here's your choice. You can either fear people who are going to be persecuting you because they can cause temporary physical harm. Okay? Now, that's scary if we just think from a physical perspective. They can do all sorts of terrible stuff to you. They can, uh, they can ultimately execute you. They can say terrible things about you. They can take your property, all this sort of things. But I'm telling you, that's not what you need to fear. What you need to fear is God, because God is the one ultimately that can send you into eternal destruction. And he uses the word hell there. Okay, this is the thing that if I didn't preach through a gospel like this, I probably wouldn't say, hmm, I'm going to talk about hell this morning. Okay, maybe some people are wired that way. They'd love to talk about hell every week. I am not. Okay, that's not where my head goes. And so let's talk about what that means here for a minute. Oftentimes what I've found just within myself and and within our, our world, our understanding of the afterlife, heaven and hell, is greatly influenced by... Uh, Dante's Inferno and Milton's Paradise Lost. Okay, that's where a whole lot of our, our these our understanding comes from, and it goes beyond Scripture into things that Scripture doesn't say. But the term that Jesus that is used for hell in the New Testament is almost always used by Jesus, and the term is is Gehenna, which was this valley south of Jerusalem where Israel historically had had. Problems where they, when they went into idolatry, that's where the human sacrifices happened. And so in Jesus' day, it wasn't a place that was, hey, this is a wonderful place, let's go and take a walk there. That was a place of shame, a place that, was, that was, had a terrible history to it. And so what Jesus is saying, you can imagine him standing out there saying, all right, you don't need to be afraid of these religious leaders who are going to give What you need to be afraid of is look down there. Look down there. Remember this valley? Remember this horrible place? That, that all the, the bad of everything of Israel has gone on down there. You don't spend eternity in a place like that. Okay? That's, that's not at all what, what, uh, that's what God can do. That's who you need to fear. That's what you need to be fearful of. Okay? So there's a lot of things, and we can talk about this more another time. In fact, I did a, a lesson, and I wasn't the first one to think about this. I heard someone else do this, and, and I may do it sometime here. But take some scriptures and just read through some scriptures of hell. And the conclusion is, there's a lot of things I don't know about hell, but one thing I do know is I don't want to go there. <laughs> okay? That's what I want to know, is make sure that I'm not on the, on the, the train to, you know, bullet train to hell, however you say it. I don't want to go there. I want to be one who is, who is focusing on cleaning the inside so that I go to be with God. Um, and that's what, what uh, I want to be focused on. Okay? So here's his point here. Okay, when we talk about fear and we talk about being afraid, because you notice he talks about those two words and he uses them differently there. Fear God, but you don't have anything to be afraid of. Okay, let's, let's take that apart a little bit. There's how many of you have ever been lost in the woods? Honesty, okay, honest, yeah, it's happened, right? Okay, there it is. We've gotten lost in the woods. If you spend time out there, you get turned around. It's, it's a lot harder now with the GPSs and stuff that we have. But that happens. And so when we find out that we are lost, we've got a choice. We can either be afraid. And I sat in on uh, uh, some of the kids in the church where took a uh, hunter safety class. And I got there and towards the end sat in and, and watched this film that they were watching. And it was a film about a guy who had gotten lost in the woods. And it was really dramatic. And... Uh, and he, got, he became afraid. And so what he did is he started running. And he ran and he ran and he ran. 
And then he started taking off layers of clothing, started throwing his rifle, just ran out of panic and ran. And that's being afraid. Okay, Having a healthy fear, what Jesus is talking about here, is something different. When we realize that we're lost, we stop and we take account of what we really are and where we're really at. I am lost. I admit this. And so I, am, I have fear that I could uh, die of thirst, that I could die of hunger, that nobody will find me, that I could freeze to death, that I could do all of these things. Because those are real possibilities, what am I going to do in order to find a solution to find my way out, to be saved? Do you see the difference there? And so what you do is you slow down, you make shelter, you sleep, you find water, you look at the sun, you look at the stars, you try to find your direction. You start thinking, okay, in the morning I'm going to get some good sleep and I'm going to walk downhill. I'm going to walk as far as I can tomorrow. I'm going to see how far I get because usually the streams run downhill and people are downhill somewhere and that's where I'm going to go. Because you know that if you stay there in a place of being lost that you will ultimately die. It's fear that leads you out, but it's healthy fear. And so we can be afraid and we can panic and we can, can uh, lead us into destruction or we can harness fear to lead us to salvation. That's the point here that Jesus is making, is that the person you need to fear is God. Don't fear all of this, the, the, the people that are out there that may say ugly stuff about you, that persecute, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to fear that. But you can fear God because what's going to happen as he says, he, he uh, cares about the sparrows and he cares about, he knows the hair on everybody's head. Okay, we were sitting eating breakfast this morning and there was this bird that showed up on the bird feeder out the window. And, and it was fascinating. I don't know that, I, I, I don't pay attention to little birds very much. I don't, I, I notice them that they're there. But this bird, it was about this big, it looked like a little finch and it had a blue head and it was just all these beautiful, amazing colors on it. I have no idea what it was. But as we're sitting there looking at that thing, I thought, man, God created that thing, and that thing just charges around, eating out of the bird feeders and worms, whatever else that thing eats. And God cares about that. Look at how beautiful that little thing is. And he cares about hair. Now, I think um, it, it's, it wouldn't take much for God to be able to count all the hairs on my head, okay? <laughs> Given that, okay, no big deal. But Brian Martinich, raise your hand. Brian's got some thick hair. Look at that, Okay. It would take a lot more to count the hair on Brian's head, right? And Jesus' message here is, is God knows the sparrows, he cares for them, and he's got all the hairs marked. Don't you think that God's going to care for you as well? And he continues on here in verse 8, he says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Okay. So he says, who is your ally here? You know you need to fear God. And who are you going to ally yourselves with? Because number one, if you acknowledge Jesus, then Jesus is going to acknowledge you before the angels in heaven. And I think this must be a reference you see Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. So what he's saying is that, I, I imagine it this way, is that when we acknowledge Jesus in courageous situations before others, Jesus is saying there, all right, angels, this guy, this girl is being courageous. Go help. Go take care of them because they are showing that they are being courageous. Go and help. But if we disown Jesus... 
can imagine Jesus up there saying, well, man, this person just keeps disowning me. We may need to pull our forces from this person because they do not have the courageous. They, they, the courage. They are not seeking to be courageous in any way, shape, or form. And we're going to redeploy our spiritual forces in other places. And Jesus says, if you speak against him, there's going to be forgiveness. You remember Peter? Think about Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus brought him right back. Because there is great repentance on the part of Peter. But he says, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, then there's going to be no forgiveness for that. Okay? Everybody understand what that means? Let's go ahead and move on, right? No big deal. Yeah, exactly. Hey, in this context, Jesus has cast out demons. And the religious leaders have stood there and said, huh, that must be from Satan that you're doing that. And I believe Jesus' point in this discussion, because whenever the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is brought up, it's always immediately following in connection with Jesus' opponents seeing him do these miracles and saying, that's from Satan. That's from Satan. And I believe the point here is that if people had the opportunity to see Jesus and see these great miracles that he did and turned around and said, no, that's from Satan, then what else can, what else can happen? What else is it going to take for someone to believe? Jesus even says, even if someone rises from the dead, you're not going to believe this. And that's the point there, is that there is a difference between Peter, who sinned, who disowned Jesus and came back in repentance, and someone who is saying, I see the great things that God is doing here in all these miracles, and I believe it's from Satan. There's a heart issue that is totally different. And so if you ever wrestle with thinking, oh man, did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? You didn't, okay? If you're worried about it and you're concerned about it, then you didn't do it, all right? But it's a situation where people are so hard-hearted that there is no thought of repentance anywhere in their hearts whatsoever. That's the idea of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And Jesus continues here in verse 11. He says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about which, how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at this time what you should say. In other words, I don't believe Jesus is saying, hey, just relax, don't prepare, just go in, whatever. But he's saying, there is an army, including the Holy Spirit, that is with you when you choose to be courageous for God. And there's going to be those that stand opposed to you, especially those that are not willing to clean the inside of the cup. They will always oppose people who are are transparent and sincere and following God. That's always going to be the case. But the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. Just be courageous. That's the message that Jesus is telling us here. So when I look in this, at this and I reflect on it, the only thing we have to fear is God. That's what Jesus tells us. And if we follow God, we don't have to be afraid of him. It's not a panic situation where we're running for our lives. But we understand that God calls us to a healthy fear that there is danger in being lost. He tells us to walk in the light, be courageous, and that God is with us at all times, no matter what. Let's think about a few of these things here. I believe that any one of us that walks through this section on the religious leaders and the dysfunction and and religious stagnation and all that, I think every one of us should, should be convicted that those little seeds of sin that are inside of us that we think, oh, I, you know, I'm just going to keep this in here. It's just between me and God. Or I I'm, I'm, don't want to repent of this. I don't, I don't want this to, to, I don't want God to, to clean this out of me. 
Those things are just the seeds of destruction that are coming. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about, is not cleaning the inside of the cup, but allowing that inside to be dirty, but putting up this front and this face where everything is good. And if that's the case, reflect on that. Think about what are the things inside me that I've not repented, that I've not confessed, that, that I've, I, I need to, to transform inside of me. And do not let those go any longer, but confess them to God, confess them to a mature brother or sister, and say, I will not let those things be in me any longer. Because allowing those things to be in us and allowing those sins, to the seeds to just, to just grow and to blossom, ultimately what leads us to a religious stagnation that the religious leaders are, are all about. Because if we have sin inside of us that, that is unrepentant, then, then we close ourselves off to others and we become very critical of others um, as, as we walk through life. And it's destructive. And what Jesus' message is, is walk in the light. John talks about that. Walk in the light as he is in the light. That's, that's what, what we're called to do. And, and I've shared this before in, in, in different ways. I want to share it again because I think this is, is so important to this discussion here. Is that if we really want to walk in the light, then we protect what we see, what we hear, what comes into us. The analogy that Jesus used a chapter ago, if, if our eyes are good, then the light that comes in is good. If our eyes are bad, then we let bad stuff into us. And God has called us to be people that really protect what we let into us, whether it be through our music, whether it be who we listen to, who our influences are, whatever, and make sure those influences are good that are calling us higher. And also, continue to walk in the light and be courageous. Um, I believe that... Um, and I've shared this before. The, the greatest threat to spiritual vibrancy in, in our churches, in America, in the world, is not the ACLU, is not um, Muslim terrorists, is not um, um, hardliner um, conservative religious right that... that goes into uh, to, to legalism. Those aren't the, the greatest the greatest threats to, to Christianity in America. What it is, is it's you and me, if we claim to be Christians, we call ourselves Christians, and we do not clean the inside of the cup and live to transform life to the people around us. Because I've run into too many people, and you have all have run into too many people at different times in your life, who have said... I tried to connect with God sometime, but this happened. I saw a Christian do this, and I left, and I never returned, and I ran from God because of that. And so that's a huge thing for us all to consider and to think about, is that when I walk through life, whatever I may do, every day, every situation, people are watching, and if I don't clean the inside of the cup, if I don't clean that sin out from inside of me and fill myself with God's Spirit, then what I'm doing is I'm ultimately providing a terrible example to people who need to know Christ around us. And this is tough, but this is what Jesus, exactly what he is saying, is that you walk in the light, you purge all that out, you be courageous, then God with his army is with you in, no matter what you do. And it's going to be amazing the stuff that God can do with you. And I can't imagine, I can imagine that Jesus, as he is speaking to this crowd, or his disciples, as the crowd is gathering, and he's sharing, what I want from you guys 
is to really, really live and share this abundant life that I'm giving you. This abundant life, this freedom in Christ, this forgiveness of sins, this Holy Spirit that's going to come and live in you. And the greatest temptation for you, long term, is going to be to to not clean that inside of the cup. But when you do, it's hard and it hurts sometimes. But the blessings of being real, of being transformed, of being what God wants you to, is out of this world. And so for all of us, for myself, and again, I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm preaching, <laughs> I'm just working out my own stuff in front of everybody. You know, that's what, that's what, what ministers do, hopefully. But my prayer for all of us is that we walk through life, day in, day out, being transformed from the inside out, and looking more like God, being courageous, and realizing when we do so, the armies of God walk alongside us in everything we do. God's got big plans for us here in Belgrade, in this valley, all over the world. And who knows where God may lead us to do amazing stuff. And it starts with us saying, I will clean the inside of the cup day in, day out. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers from the church, you're welcome to go to the back. The elders are waiting back there to pray with you. Let's stand and sing together.